0: This is the cast, a sometimes fast-paced but usually meandering look at the world. So, kick back, get ready for quite possibly the longest one hour to perhaps the shortest two hours and 56 minutes of your life.
1: And now, here's Christian Blatt. Welcome to the Blackcast. Very excited to be welcoming back to the show Frank Hannon. Of course, you know him from Tesla. And he has a great new song that we'll talk a lot about called Fool's Delight, which is available wherever you get all your streaming. And uh, you can also uh, find it. There's a video for it on his YouTube channel. And, of course, FrankHannon.com. Frank, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today.
2: Hey, Christian. It's it's great to be on the Blackcast. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time as well, man. Uh, it's a busy time of year. It, Everybody's it, trying to get...
1: It, it is indeed a busy time of year. And, uh, you know, uh, Jody, the publicist who always uh, puts us in touch, uh, mentioned that she had you. And this is a crazy week, but I'm like, wait, if I can talk to Frank Hannon, I'm going to make the time. So uh, I'm glad that this worked out. Because uh, it is, of course, Christmas season, whatever holiday season anybody celebrates. But, uh, you know, on the Blackcast, we do uh, celebrate Kissmas, uh, because I think Gene Simmons insists if you ever signed up for the Kiss Army, then throughout the rest of your life, you have to celebrate Kissmas. Uh So <laughs> our video audience sees a little Kiss and Santa with me. And uh, I was just thinking, you know, there's a handful of like, to me, really good like and Christmas songs you know, the King's Father Christmas comes to mind as a, as a favorite.
2: Uh, Uh, My phone freaked out. You said a handful of.
1: Yeah. I was just saying there's a handful of good, like legitimately really good uh, rocking Christmas songs. So I'm thinking like the King's Father Christmas, you know, uh, Slade has that Merry Christmas song. Are there any, that uh you know and look there's a great place for the the standards but are there any like rock and christmas songs that you're like oh you know it might be a little bit corny that it's a christmas song but but you've always really liked maybe just as a kid or even now
2: well i love jingle bell rock i do love that song and you know i think brian setzer man he does a great uh christmas rendition you know i like white christmas too i like that song you know and um jimmy hendrix did a version i'm looking sideways because my phone is sideways it's weird <laughs> jimmy yeah. hendrix version of a little drummer boy with his whammy bar and his guitar yeah. that he he used to throw in like i think there's a video of jimmy hendrix playing a christmas party somewhere and in england or something and uh i think he plays like bum with this, with this Stratocaster whammy bar, yeah, you know,
1: I, uh, I don't, I don't think I'm uh, going out on a limb by saying that uh, you know Hendrix, obviously he was great. Just his, his mind worked in a way that was different than maybe any human that ever walked the earth. I always, I always love hearing about like the day Sergeant Pepper's came out. He brought it home and he learned the song and he played it like the next day. And at, you know, yeah, yeah, so,
2: with, with Paul McCartney in the audience,
1: yeah. Exactly. And he's like, wait, I don't even remember how to play this. So it's uh, it's so cool to think about stuff like that. Now, has there ever been, I don't know, an idea kicked around, a temptation for either you as a solo artist or Tesla to do, maybe not write a new Christmas song, but oh, hey, it might be fun. I mean, I'm wearing a Christmas sweater for Alice Cooper. Even he did a Santa Claus is coming to town at one point. Uh, was there ever any consideration or was it just the band was like, nah, I don't know, that doesn't really feel like us, does it?
2: well i'll be honest tesla has never talked about doing a christmas song uh jeff keith being the lead singer of tesla yeah uh now i'm not saying it still may not happen maybe next christmas it's obviously too late the problem with with releasing christmas songs is people don't realize you got to record them in July (laughs) 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 for them to be ready to be released by Christmas. You know, there's so much time and preparation that it takes. And so it's hard to find the Christmas spirit in July to actually write or record a song, you know. But we did do Silent Night. I did do an acoustic uh, solo version of Silent Night on the guitar one year. And for two years in a row, me as a solo artist, I did a Christmas show in my hometown of Sacramento, California. And there's some video footage of that. And I personally want to record Jingle Bell Rock. I do.
1: I well, I, I, I hope w- whether it's uh, the Frank Hannon band or with Tesla or with somebody else, I hope that uh, a little bit before next Christmas, you and I are talking about your version of Jingle Bell Rock that uh, is out there. And uh, I'll tell you what. Know,
2: it's a commitment. I'm going to commit to you right now, Christian, that I'm going to record Jingle Bell Rock and have it ready for next Christmas. OK, I I,
1: I love that. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll see if you know, when I when I talked to Jeff Keith, uh, I actually made some headlines uh, from this show because I just casually offhanded asked if uh, there were any plans for another Tesla record. You kind of ask everybody that. And and his answer wasn't like, oh, yeah, it's called this. We're going to do that. And it wasn't even that. It was just like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, we're thinking about it. And all of a sudden there's headlines. You know there's all those great uh rock news websites that are like, oh, we got something to write about, so I hope to uh to get uh Frank Hannon promises <laughs> no, no, Frank Hannon guarantees version of Jingle Bell Rock in time for Christmas 2024. Uh,
2: will uh, we'll oh god, I, I can see it now. Blabbermouth's gonna have a field day with <laughs> yep. it.
1: That's a, <laughs> that's who I'm sending it to first. And the fact that we said Blabbermouth,
2: it's like we're asking them,
1: but. If oh, Blabbermouth uh, does print that article, you know what we should also ask them to talk about is your new single, Frank Hannon's Fool's Delight. You know, it's great what you got well, promised for the next year. But
2: uh, let's talk about what's going on now. Um. Exactly. Well, I put Fool's Delight out this month with Christmas in mind, because like I had mentioned, I didn't do my annual Christmas show in in my hometown this year because of family reasons being on the East coast. Now I I'm in Florida spending Christmas with my family here. Um, so I wanted to put out a new song as a gift to my diehard, uh, heavy metal hippie fans. And, uh, this song leans more on the hippie side, not necessarily (laughs) the heavy metal, but more of the hippie side of my, my music. That's what Heavy Metal Hippie is, you know, Judas Priest and Grateful Dead. I love all kinds of music and everything in between. And as an artist, I'm always creating different styles. And this particular style is a a style of music that I love, which is singer-songwriter storytelling music. And Fool's Delight is a story that uh, is a lot of fun. And so I wanted to get it out in time for Christmas and in time for uh, these Almond bets family revival shows that i just got done doing
1: yeah talk a little bit about that that uh, they they do that uh not in florida it's somewhere in the south though right they do a few shows every year for that
2: it was in florida my my shows were in florida um a few years ago they did it uh on the west coast when i first joined them at the fillmore in san francisco uh they sold out the beacon theater this year they do it every december so it's kind of a a holiday tradition in a sense i was talking to devin and he likes to do the family revival uh in december uh almond and they do the tribute to their dads you know greg allman and dickie betts um Mm -hmm. who had birthdays in december so um it's a honoring um Greg Allman and Dickie Betts, their music and the timeless music of the Allman Brothers. And uh, if you listen to my song Fool's Delight, it's it's influenced by by that particular influence in my heart of, of music, which has, you know, slide guitar and acoustic guitar and real rootsy music.
1: Yeah, it definitely had a little bit of, of that feel and and I like that you refer to it as singer-songwriter because it it is definitely telling a story, you know. And I I like sort of it's it's very casual and, you know, I've I've heard enough of your, your solo stuff that I know it's not necessarily always going to be on the heavy metal side of the heavy metal hippie side. But uh, this sort of very laid back borderline country. I mean, I guess it is country. I don't know. It's so hard to keep track. But I like what you said in terms of the heavy metal hippie, because when it comes down to it, most of us, you know, it's like, you know, if if they're, the touring works or they're in your town, you might see Metallica and Paul McCartney in the same week. You know, and who knows, you know, back back in the day, maybe you, you would have also seen Prince if he came to town. And I think everybody, you know, it's easy to get kind of pigeonholed and like, oh, I like this kind of music. But I think everybody it, it has a much wider stretch of, uh, of, of what they like. You know what I mean?
2: Well, some people do. Not everybody. Some people are only metal heads and, and some yeah. people only like jazz and that's it. You yeah. know, but um people like yourself uh, you know i'm glad to hear that you like a little bit of everything and everybody loves the beatles right yeah and even the beatles have a song like helter skelter which is like heavy the heaviest metal song you yeah. know of the era but then they got a beautiful song like yesterday you know or a beautiful thing like blackbird you hear paul mccartney singing blackbird but then you also hear paul mccartney singing helter skelter yeah <laughs> you know, yeah. so that's kind of my style, you know, my favorite artist. If you listen to Jimi Hendrix, he's got Foxy Lady, he's got Purple Haze, he's got Voodoo Child. But then he also has Little Wing and Castles Made of Sand. You know, as an artist, you're 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 you you have the freedom to create whatever you want when you want it. And that's that's kind of the the artistic liberty that I take. When I'm doing my solo stuff. Now, Tesla is a group, and we 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 are a group that is geared towards Jeff Keith's vocals and how he sings and what he feels because he's the lyricist of that band ultimately, and he's got to deliver it. So that's a different thing, but it's great, it's all great, and I'm I'm just very grateful that 1976, I was 10 years old, and the 70s had the best music for a young 10 year old kid to get turned on to. And it was an escape for me, man. It got me out of the ghetto, It got me out of a lot of trouble because I was playing guitar instead of like, stealing the cars (laughs) yeah
1: i mean look i i i mean there's so many that i could list off but to think about being 10 and having a guitar in your hand the year that rocks from aerosmith and kiss destroyer come out you know i mean that's uh you know among so many others but those are the two that come to mind right away for me and uh yeah it's uh you know in a lot of a lot of those bands you know uh i i was uh, i was born in 1976 so i'm discovering a lot of these bands later in the 80s but then just the wealth of the back catalog and uh you know it's uh, it, it was just it was crazy to think about like that you know the Aerosmith who put out rocks is the Aerosmith who did dude looks like a lady you know I think that there's uh, something great about both of those things but you're just like wow what a wild story those guys had you know
2: they had a long, tumultuous, changing uh, career. Um, yeah. And every 10 years, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, going back to the 50s, okay, those those decades had a different culture and a different generation and a different style. I mean, look at the difference between the 50s and then the 60s. Yeah. Two, two decades. I'm trying to find my fingers. Two decades there. <laughs> With completely different styles and then you had the 70s and then the 80s was a completely different style so a band like aerosmith to navigate through that and you know create as much as they did is phenomenal to survive that you know and then i look at tesla and i can't believe that we survived all uh, 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 all that shit as well going from the '80s into the '90s into the 2000s and all the way until now that, that we're almost in the middle of the 2020s. It's freaking crazy.
1: Yeah, it's crazy to think about because I know the the band Tesla's been together for 40 years. The first album, not quite at 40 years, but uh, what 2026 it'll be. And uh, getting, uh, yeah, I can. What's that?
2: I said, yeah, we're getting there. Three decades. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> we're, yeah you're exactly. You're getting to that. And uh yeah, the idea and, you know, there, part of that history, as as essentially did with Aerosmith, there's a part of the time where Tesla was broken up, but you guys have been back together for so long now, it's uh, easy to kind of forget, maybe not for, for you guys in the band, but for uh, those of us. Uh, as fans, you know, it, obviously there was that kind of tough period for a lot of bands just sort of figuring out what to do, you know, and uh, I've talked to you, I've talked to Jeff, I've talked to Brian about sort of that moment in time when the Bust a Nut record comes out. And it was like it, it, I think it's a great record, but it all—it almost didn't matter how good it was because the you know a lot of people are like, yeah, hey, yeah, that's not what we're playing right now. MTV is like, hey, we're not we're not doing that anymore, you know. Uh, so it's a, its very disappointing to think about, you know, sort of that there wasn't a bigger acceptance and we're just talking about like rock music. You know, it's like, I've, I've talked to plenty of artists. It's like, I, I loved an Alice in Chains records and Nirvana record, but also the, you know, a new Tesla album, a new kiss album, whatever came out. I'm like, Oh, this is all great. But I guess, uh, radio, ra- um, radio and record companies, they don't really kind of see big pictures like that. Do they, Frank?
2: Well, everything changed. Uh, the, the, the radio stations, got bought by big corporations and uh they weren't really owned by people that were running them anymore they were being controlled by bigger forces you know and the styles of music changed and the technology changed uh you know uh this phone that i'm holding in my hand right here uh, basically has changed the landscape of everything as well so um, I forgot what your question. No, we well, the, were... the point sort of was, it's like there's sort of
1: a a speed bump that you know I I, t- I talked to a a lot of bands, a lot of a lot of artists from the '80s and '90s, sort of about just that sort of moment in time. And uh, years ago, I talked to Mark Slaughter about it, and he was like, "Yeah, I mean, I wasn't mad at Alice in Chains. They put out great music. You know, it was just frustrating to feel like you were also putting out great music, but." figuring out how to get people to hear it just changed
2: sort of overnight, you know? Well, yeah, there was always an obstacle of when the radio station's formats changed from to rock to active rock or whatever, then they, you know, like even my best friends at radio could no longer play Tesla because they were being told to play something else. And there's only so many minutes in a day that they have to fill up. So there's a limit. Kind of like us with our set list. There's so many, so, so many only so many songs we can put in a 90-minute set so you know there's only so much shelf space on on the on the shelves for albums at walmart you know what i mean it's so yeah there's obstacles and every 10 years it's different and stuff but luckily uh for us the songs and when people still hear what you give or love song or modern day cowboy You know, they they still can come to a show. And speaking of that, we've got a ton of shows booked next year already. We're doing another Las Vegas residency. I'm glad
1: you Uh, mentioned that, Frank, because I had the graphic ready to go. I I was uh, going to talk about the uh, the third Las Vegas takeover at the House of Blues. Uh, I just, I, I live in LA, but, uh, when you guys did the first stint, we were in Vegas with uh, my kids for spring break. So I was able to go to one of those shows and, uh, it was great because it wasn't like one of those, you know, there were a couple of like, I don't even want to say deep tracks, but like songs you hadn't heard in a while that were for, you know, the, the diehard fans, but it wasn't like anybody was walking out of the house of blues that night. Like, oh man, they didn't really play the songs I wanted, you know? So you guys hit everything. But uh, I think that uh, having looked at the set lists from when you do these these sort of little residencies there, it seems like there's a conscious effort like, yeah, each night let's throw in one or two that maybe people aren't expecting.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we don't have a shortage of songs, but we do have a shortage of time. So <laughs> right. In, in order to make each night interesting, uh, we change, we keep about 70 percent of the show for the diehard people that are flying in to hear little Susie and love song and what you give and signs and modern day cowboy. And then for the other 30% of the diehards that want to hear lazy days, crazy nights or changes or, or uh, we're no good together or getting better, something a little deeper, you know, even shine away. We put in the set list or song and emotion, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll rotate those every night. So it's a little bit, but it's also a little bit the same.
1: Well, I'm going to put the same bug in your ear that I put into uh Jeff Keith here. Anytime you feel like you want to dust off talk about it, that would always be a fun one, I think. I don't think I don't think even on the Psychotics up tour I remember seeing you guys do that live, so that would always be a fun one just for me. Yeah, but
2: we did do it on on that tour and we, okay. believe me, we did a lot of token about it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, you know, a little token never hurt no one though. So you see that's really the uh, the point there. And so there'll be five love- shows April fifth through the thirteenth, but uh, obviously that's not uh, that's not everything. So just go to tesslaof to find out uh, when Tesla will be in in your neck of the woods, you know? Um
2: that's right. yep,
1: yeah. But I do want to talk a little bit more since, you know, the the new thing is uh, Fool's Delight, the uh, the new uh, solo song. Now, you did a video for it, which people can find on your YouTube channel. And, you know, the way everything works, it's like, yeah, you just kind of go into YouTube and you you type something in, you know, and, uh, and you'll find it. But uh, talk a little bit like, you know, I talked about how it's kind of a laid back you know, kind of easygoing sort of song, uh, the video kind of really has that feeling too, you know, I mean, for our video audience and, you know, Frank, you could tell me right now, oh yeah, you can play my song, no worries. Uh, and I, I could still get struck by YouTube for playing a song. So we're just going to look at it, but our audio audience will get to hear some of it. But anyway, talk a little bit about kind of this great idea where you're like, oh, I'm just going to pull my motorcycle over the side of the road and,
2: uh, and play uh, Fool's Delight. <laughs> hey I'm watching it right now that's pretty cool <laughs> You're
1: yeah, like hey that guy's good that. <laughs> look at this guitar player this guy's fantastic. Well, no, no,
2: I'm just I get there's my barn that's my barn right there nice that's I, actually that's my neighbor's barn next door right next door to where I live is, is your my is SG your is right your
1: on. neighbor's barn more photogenic than yours that's why you went over to your neighbor's barn
2: yes exactly. <laughs> But that's Northern California, man, right there. You know, we're, we're from yeah. up north outside of Sacramento in the hills of Folsom. And uh, all of that footage right there was shot the, the day after that. There, right there, there's the gig. See those it people says- there? Those are my diehard heavy metal hippies. And that's Out of Bounds Brewery. And Out of Bounds Brewery is a place that I play in Folsom. And they made my heavy metal hippie... Uh, double IPA beer for me. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, It's a very strong beer that we sold on the monsters of rock cruise. And uh, back when I was drinking and making beer, uh, they made the beer for me. And uh, that's where I shot. This video was at their brewery. Well,
1: I've never uh, been uh, fortunate enough to go on the monsters of rock cruise, but when I talk to people who have, and I hear stories about it, I feel, feel like the one thing that they need is stronger beer. You know, that the beer there is just not doing it enough. They need to drink a little bit more. But uh, that's great that you were able to sell it there. Look, it always sounds like a great time.
2: I'll tell you a funny story. So that where I'm playing in this video right there. See that? It says out of bounds. Yeah, sure. That's a brewery that made uh, my beer that I I personally picked all the hops for and, and created the beer with them hand in hand called Heavy Metal Hippie. Well, we shipped several pallets out to Florida for the Montes of Rock cruise. And I'll tell you a funny story. 2,000, 2,000 cans of beer. And they sold out of it in the first two days. And <laughs> I was getting phone calls from people on the sail away when the ship was pulling out of port that were hammered on this beer because it, it was a double it was like 8.5 percent alcohol and it tastes really good in fact eddie trunk and i we cracked one open and like within 10 seconds we're like holy shit we're getting buzzed off this already <laughs> Oh, my I mean, gosh. so much so that I've quit drinking. Okay. I have to say yeah. I quit drinking because it got too much.
1: Well, but, and, uh, you know, obviously that's uh it's good to, to realize when it's been too much, but also maybe you just realized like, well, I made the beer that that's, you know, it's not, it's never going to get better than that one time opening the can with Eddie trunk. So let's uh, quit while we're ahead. So okay. was that, was that just okay, brewed so that for brewery, the cruise? Is that something that's still available at that brewery? Or is that, uh, is that something that's in the past? Right?
2: Yeah, it's. It's on it's available on tap at the brewery. But look at those people there. See those that, that, those are yeah. my friends, man. Those people there are my diehards. They came to my Fool's Delight video shoot gig in Folsom, California. And I was so since I quit drinking, I was going to make a non-alcoholic beer and I'm still working on it. And I guess what I'm going to call it? Fool's Delight. Yeah. Ah,
1: look at that. <laughs> Hey, I think I think you might have a good commercial for uh, for like an Internet video to, uh, you know, Internet commercial to put out there, you know. So
2: (laughs) So um, I'm thinking, but it's got to taste good. It can't taste like this other non-alcoholic beer that's out there. So I'm going to work on it. I'm going to hopefully going to work on it with Out of Bounds where I shot that video. And hopefully I'll be able to create a really good non-alcoholic beer called Fools Delight. So we'll see.
1: Yeah, no I mean I think that's uh that's a great idea and I think that uh, you know for for people who don't drink anymore but then also you know so some of us are maybe more lightweights than others at a certain point in the night you're like hey, you turn to something that's uh that's a uh, non-alcohol but you know not O'Duls, you know, unless they want to sponsor this show, in which case I'll say that Odules is great. Uh, Frank, so you you talked about how you do, you know, you'll do shows in Sacramento and whatever. Uh, Are there plans for any Frank Hannon band or solo touring, or is it uh, mostly Tesla in 2024?
2: Man, I've had to slow down, bro. I mean, I'm 57 years old, going to be 58. And I'm feeling it. I really burnt the candle pretty hard doing both Tesla and Frank Hannon Band solo things for like the past twenty years. Yeah. So now I'm I'm really just focusing on doing Tesla shows, and only some special events, special occasions will I do anything separate. Like for example, this this Almond Betts family revival show was a very special event. Sure. I was very honored to be a part of that, to play guitar alongside my brother-in-law, Dwayne Betts and and Devin Allman and a whole family of like 20 other guest musicians that were phenomenal that uh, it was such a marvelous experience. We ended up at the Ryman in Nashville and, you know, I played blues alongside uh, Larry McRae, who's a blues legend. Um, and he and I are going to get together, uh, in the future. Uh, we're talking about doing some stuff together. And I made some great friends unless it's something, you know, special, um, I got to focus my time on my family and on Tesla family. So, uh, but I'll always keep recording and releasing stuff, you know, like I've got a new single I'm going to put out in February. Um, it's a tribute to Gary Wright that I did, and uh, the video's all done for that. That'll come out in February. Uh, I've got a couple other songs that are unreleased, and um, I'll do the occasional jamming and sitting in with people, but I'm not booking any Frank Hannon band solo tours anytime soon, no.
1: Right. Yeah, but it seems like there's enough that Tesla's doing. And look, you mentioned the Ryman, and I uh, i know from having just cross-referenced, I know Tesla will be there March 12th at the Ryman Auditorium in uh, Nashville. So you'll get to be yeah. back over there. And uh, Tesla, obviously, you guys crisscross the country, play a lot of shows. For people who maybe don't get out to the shows or they want to remember what it is, uh, I know that uh, just within the last couple of months, you guys put out that Full Throttle Live live album which uh, I thought was, a, it was an interesting idea because it was like, let's put out the songs where we don't have live versions out already, you know? So, cause uh, I, I mean, I remember you did the mechanical resonance live where it was all those live and there've been a number of, of live releases. So uh, it seemed like uh, it was a good idea for, you know, again, for the people who've been fans for so long. It's like, Oh, here's a couple of songs that you haven't heard live before, you know?
2: Yeah. Also, including our new songs that we've been writing uh cold blue steel and um time to rock yeah uh two of our latest songs that we've written that are brand new uh there's studio versions of those out but now there's also live versions that are on full throttle live right and
1: uh we were talking about aerosmith before and uh there's a great version of sos too bad that's uh from that as well which uh that was new when i talked to uh jeff keith but that version's great And I remember reading in the notes about that, that uh, there was a quote from you about how Aerosmith Live Bootleg was one of uh, your favorite live albums. And I always thought it was great. And as we know more now, you know, 40 some odd years later, it's one of the rare 70s live albums that's like 100 percent live, you
2: know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's that record never left my turntable in 1978, man, or 79. It was between that one and Van Halen 1 had just come out. And if you listen oh, to yeah. Van Halen 1, that's basically a live album. <laughs> I mean, they were live in the studio. I mean, that there's so much live energy on Van Halen 1. But getting back to Aerosmith Live Bootleg, yeah, I have my. I'm going like this because I used to listen to it with headphones and just stare at the photos on the inside of it. And just dream about being at an Aerosmith concert because you got to remember back in the 70s, we didn't have MTV. I mean, you were lucky if you saw Don Kirshner's rock concert, you know, yeah, on TV at midnight on a Friday night. So, all we had was the photographs, and on the inside of of these live albums, the double albums, you'd open them up and it'd be some amazing photographs of Aerosmith or you know, Frampton Comes Alive or. You know those live albums were so great back in the '70s, and uh, yeah, SOS too bad on Aerosmith's live bootleg was a huge influence, and that's why we we recorded it on our live album.
1: Yeah, no. And, uh, you know, obviously we're talking about sort of the uh, the enduring popularity of some of those artists. Uh, The first year I ended up going to any concerts, I always talk about the streak that I went on. So the first concert I went to was uh, Alice Cooper in March of 1990 at a place called the Ritz in New York. And then the the county fairgrounds near where I grew up uh, within like a week. I saw kiss on the hot in the shade tour Aerosmith on the pump tour and uh, white snake, the incarnation that had Steve Vai in it. And, uh, you know, so it's, uh, to, to have that out of the gate, even with MTV, it's like, that's when you realize like, Oh, as cool as it is to see a live concert, you know, on MTV or, you know, at that point you could get a VHS of it. It was just like, Oh my God, these, these bands are good on TV. These bands are great on the records, but when actually getting to see Joe Perry, you know, Bruce Kulick, whoever Alice was playing with at the point, including uh, Eric Singer, you know, it was just like, Oh yeah. You just like, I was, I was 14 years old and you're like, it just sort of opens your eyes even and your ears even more, you know, to actually get to see the
2: bands live. Yeah. It sounds like you saw some great shows, my friend. And going back to what you were talking about earlier about the music changing and when Alice in Chains came out and then things all changed or whatever. The thing that doesn't change is the live concert experience. I mean, I get chills right now. When I when I went to see Peter Frampton play this six months ago, just knowing that he was going to be standing right there on that stage and I was going to hear his guitar and his voice, there's something magical about being in the same room with a live performer. And, you know, I don't care MTV, radio, whatever, they can't. Take away that so you can always people can always go to a concert and see a live show and get that feeling. There's nothing that beats that feeling.
1: No, I agree. And, uh, you know, obviously. One of the, one of the, the greatest experiences that I had in this year was that show seeing you guys at the house of blues in Vegas. So, uh, anybody who's going to be in Vegas in April should uh, check that out. Uh, I've, uh, I've, I've seen, you know, the first time I saw Tesla was, was on the psychotic supper tour. I've never seen a bad Tesla show. I, I, uh, it's always such a great time. I love, you know, I can imagine that it's probably exhausting for you guys, but, uh, you, you basically you leave it out there on the stage. And uh, I think people really appreciate it. So uh, I, I thank you, Frank, for one, taking the time to talk to me. And I'm glad you're still out there making stuff. You know, I mean, there's plenty of bands, you know, I mean, Tesla put out plenty of new albums in the last decade. There's a lot of bands who are just like, uh, we don't bother anymore, you know, and uh, I love that you guys still have it in you, whether Whether or not Blabbermouth wants to say uh, Frank Hannon says there'll be a new Tesla album in 2024 or not, it's fine. Whenever it is that you guys feel like you've got an album, (laughs) I like that you just put out the songs. You know, you mentioned the Full Throttle has a few of them on there. So I think it's great you guys are still creating, you know.
2: Well, thank you, man. In today's world, it's a lot easier to create singles and put them out while they're fresh, you know. And uh, I know you committed me to a Christmas song, so I'll start chipping away on that. (laughs) (laughs) Got a bunch of other new ideas.
1: yeah, I'm going to put on my Google calendar uh, July 1st. I'm going to have uh, Jody, the publicist, reach out to Frank, uh, remind him about Jingle Bell Rock. So you don't have to think about it over the next six months, but right hey, in the summer, might, that's when you got to think it about it.
2: White, it might end up being white Christmas. I don't know. That's it might fine. be something different. You know, I'm always and throwing curveballs. So, you know, music is like food. I like to cook, and I like to eat, <laughs> and I like to cook. So people go, well, how come your stuff is so different? Well, I like to serve up some you know some italian food sometimes maybe some mexican food some this and that it's like a pizza you know it's not always the same we want to put some some pepperoni on it maybe some sausage one time you know
1: <laughs> look there's a there's a reason that the hawaiian pizza was designed because somebody was like Oh fuck it. Just throw some pineapple on it and see what happens. It's not for everybody. Right. It's not my favorite, but I like that people are thinking, you know. So let's <laughs> go yeah, ahead. you know, you can get
2: a Western omelet, you can get a uh a, a Greek omelet, you can get a Spanish omelet, you know, as long as it's got some eggs mixed in with there, it's gonna be good. And with me, it'll always have some guitar.
1: <laughs> well, uh Frank dot com, I believe it's Frank Hannon official on uh Instagram uh am i am i missing anywhere obviously just go to frank hannon on youtube you can see the video that either you saw just now or uh for our audio audience you can uh, check it out uh anywhere else that i should send people to frank other than
2: frankhannon.com, frank hannon official yeah uh, tesla the band tesla right. the band.com for all things tesla related frank hannon official with the blue check mark please be careful for the scammers. There's a lot of scammers commenting on yeah. there that are posing using uh, our names and stuff. It's all there. I don't know. They're trying to hustle people for money, but
1: uh, yeah, it, it, it it's one of those things that, uh, you know, you as a fan, you would hate to uh, be approached by somebody after a show. Who's like, Oh, Hey, Hey, did everything work out okay? And you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I sent you two hundred bucks because you needed to pay for a dinner bill in New York when you were on tour. You know, you hear about the stories that people get approached, and it's almost like, why are these guys? Re- why do people think that you're reaching out on Instagram to people? But you know, had,
2: I know I- I've had three or four different uh, occasions with these female fans, and I notice these scammers are always commenting and targeting the female fans that post comments on my page. And so they're well. going after the women uh, because they feel like they can hustle them for money. And I've had a couple of them be very angry with me, like, "Hey, you took my money." I was like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> I didn't take anybody's money." Yeah. Come to find out, it's these scammers and and people. You can always tell if they say, "You're you, I love you so much. Please send me a personal message and all that." That's when you know it's a freaking scammer. And just yeah. just assume that it's a scammer anyway, unless it's got the blue check mark and it's my official page don't buy into it right exactly
1: the you know uh, if, if you if you want to help Frank you go to Frankhannon.com you go to teslatheband.com. you check out Tesla on the road this summer this entire year and uh, we always appreciate uh, your time Frank Hannon and uh, of course uh, Merry Christmas happy holidays Happy new Year to everybody out there in the audience and uh, Frank I uh, I look forward to if I don't talk to you before, next christmas the release of the christmas song uh i i look forward to talking to you then if not sooner
2: hey sounds good christian hey let's talk in february because i'm gonna have a brand new video for you then
1: okay well just rem- i'm gonna tell you now i'm gonna remind you like that that's only 10 months until you have to put out that christmas song but yeah i'll let I'll, uh, send jody a message after this and make sure that we talk jingle bell
2: jingle, bell jingle bell rock jingle bells swing and jingle bells ring Alright, man. Peace out.
1: All right. Thanks so much to Frank Hannon. And our audio audience is gonna hear just a little bit of Fool's Delight
2: right now. Thanks again to Frank Hannon. one, three. In the middle of a night.
1: To lie. To lie. Joining me now is Brian J of Dogbone, uh once upon a time part of Keel. Uh Brian, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk about Dogbone with uh, myself and our audience. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, uh, we've, uh, we've talked to Ron Keel a couple of times in the past and, uh, you know, I think in general people re- remember Keel, but kind of, uh, talk a little bit about how this band grows out of that one. I understand you've got uh, a few of your former bandmates from Keel in dog bone.
3: Well, yeah, uh, <clears throat> it originally started, I, l- I left, uh, Keel in like the end of 89, 1989. And, uh, a band I had before I joined keel the singer and I reconnected and we started writing songs and we're like well let's you know let's put a band together here and eventually Dwayne from keel the drummer came in and we got a bass player from a guy from Canada named Rob Thiessen and uh, Dogbone was out playing shows we were just writing songs and doing demos you know our, our goal was to get a record deal and, you know, get out there and start touring and making music. <clears throat> but things didn't work out with the singer after a while. And uh, so we got a uh, Rhett Forrester from Riot came in and we started writing songs. We hit it off right away. He, he was uh, just what a talent. I mean, his voice just fit perfectly with what I was doing. and we just start writing songs. And by that time, it was like right when the grunge scene was taken off and Nirvana. And so, you know, we were trying to get interest and try to get a record deal and do that whole thing. But it it just, it just wasn't happening at the time. So yeah. I mean, it seems like
1: one of those things where you're, you're putting the band together, maybe even just one year, maybe two years, uh, a little too late, And, you know, I've talked to artists who, you know, had things going in 89 and 90, and then it's that next album. You know, right. and uh, you know, I it's uh it's through no fault of uh, the people who buy music and no fault for the the bands that uh, the record company started focusing on. Uh, I talk about this a lot. Like years ago I asked Mark Slaughter about this, and he's like, No, I don't hate Alice in Chains. They put out great records, you know. Right. It's just the they the record companies felt like well, somebody couldn't possibly have room in their CD collection for Alice in Chains and Slaughter and Tesla and Warrant. And, uh, you know, I, I considered myself somebody that I, I liked a lot of that stuff, but I still like the old stuff. You know, it was uh, it was just like, wait, what happened? How, how is this this new Tesla, this Bust a Nut album they put out? How am I how am I supposed to think that this is terrible? because it's actually really good, you know? Right. And, and yes, uh, you know, Alice in Chains dirt is also a great album. So it's, it, it it, yeah. you know, and I, I guess it was, I think it was Janie Lane told the story, uh, before he passed, obviously that he went to the record company and where they had had a gigantic warrant album cover hanging, they had an Alice in Chains cover instead. And he was right. like, "Uh Oh, <laughs> you know, so it, it couldn't have been more blatant, you know? And, uh, you know, there, I I like to think there's a little bit more diversity now because uh, I guess we're so far past it, but so, you know, trying to put it together at that moment in time, obviously I can see Brian, how, you know, you definitely hit a little, hit a little speed bump. So, uh, so what happens at that moment for you personally?
3: Oh, well, I, I had gotten married and I had a daughter, started a, started a family and, really is trying to get a gig for a long time. I started teaching guitar and I never stopped music. <clears throat> just, uh, taught guitar for a very long time. And that was, that was a real, my main source there. And, uh, just nothing going on musically. I didn't do any shows for a long time until mm-hmm. Keel got back together. And that was around 2008, 2009. We did a reunion show and, uh, and obviously we went in and did another record and did a lot of shows after that went to europe i think three times <clears throat> maybe maybe four but uh yeah it was it was you know tough being a musician at that time it, uh, an 80s musician you know unless you were in bon jovi or you know somebody like yeah that. but i mean
1: it, it's interesting to think about because you know even bands like def leppard they they had to kind of take a step back they kind of had to put things yeah. on pause you know yeah they're playing arenas and sometimes stadiums now but you know where were they playing in 1995 you know and right. uh what what have they put out that album slang you know and what what happened to them at that moment in time and you know there there was nobody bigger than them you know and bon Jovi i mean he really you know he he took a couple minutes and he did the the whole makeover and uh, he's like yeah we're kind of do this new thing now yeah I slowed down the old song so yeah it's tough it was tough it seems like it was tough for everybody and uh, it's only it's only in hindsight that you start to think like oh yeah we're where did that band go for a few years, you know? So, but you talked about how, you know, you started a family and if you'd been out on the road, that probably would have been a little tougher. So I guess you got to look at the trade off that way. So I'm not complaining. Oh no! I didn't think you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of, but not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like on the one hand, this is great, yeah. but on the other hand, I would like to have had both. Yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <Yep. clears throat> so, uh, getting uh, Keel back together, uh, you know, obviously that kind of kind of gets things going again. So, talk about how. This dogbone song, Speed Kills, which our audio audience will hear some of uh, after you and I are done talking. Great. Uh, talk about, ha- of course, yeah. And uh, let's talk about how that song comes about as a dog bone song. And uh, people can find it on uh, RFK Media's uh, Live the Rock Volume 1. Absolutely. CD. And uh, I, I always try to say Live the Rock, and then I realize uh, <laughs> it's Live the Rock. But if I guess if he puts out if you know if Ron puts out another album where everybody does these songs live, then it would be Live the Rock Live. So that's confusing.
2: <laughs> so don't do that.
1: But uh talk talk a little bit about sort of how you know doing Dogbone again kind of grows out of uh of what was going on in that moment.
3: Well, I mean this new version really the last we did Monsters the Rock cruise 2020. And uh and, uh, and just, I, just,
1: just to interject, uh, that's the early part of 2020. So that happened yes. uh, pre-pandemic. Like it was
3: yeah. fe- February, might have been yeah. February, early March, maybe it was February. And uh, Dwayne and I, you know, we were talking because like, Keel wasn't really doing very many shows. <laughs> and uh, was, hey, man, let's get let's get a new band, let's get something going here. Let's do a side project or get something going. And uh, we just started talking. Wait, why not do Dogbone? Because I I own a music library, which I do music for film and TV and promos and anything that really needs music. And I'd been working with a singer, Bob Reynolds, and we've been writing a lot of songs for the library. And we would write a song, and it would be like, "Man, this is really good. <laughs> we should we should put a band together." So I was like, "Hey, Duane, man, I got this singer, and uh, why don't we uh, reform Dogbone?" And it was yeah. like, absolutely. So when we left the cruise, it was like, I, I was on our minds. Okay, let's start, you know, moving forward with this. And bam, the pandemic hits. And it, yeah. was, it was like, okay, well, like everything stopped. So we kind of put it on the side. And, but I was still writing songs for my my music library. And me and Bob continued working together. So actually Speed Kills came out of that so it was like i i had the music all written and i had the title speed kills gave it to bob and he wrote all the lyrics and put those melodies together and and that's how that song came about so it was it wasn't really originally recorded for the first single but it ended up being that because right. uh, we, we have a brand new single coming out probably the end of Jan- january beginning march or uh, beginning of february next year so uh but ron had this album coming out and he was like hey you got any songs said yeah here speed kills (laughs) so that's how that song got put on there it it wasn't necessarily recorded for to be on that record but
1: right but that's that's the thing if somebody says hey you got songs it's like do i got songs hey i gotta i gotta try to narrow it down you know because you have so many uh and I think that uh, it's interesting because I've talked to a, a few musicians who do sort of what you're talking about in terms of, you know, some of it's music licensing, some of it's music production. You know, I know Fred Corey from Cinderella, like his full-time job now is basically scoring TV shows. Like, yes. you know, uh, I think Tom Kiefer doesn't want to put Cinderella back together, but one of the obstacles, if he wanted to, is that Fred's very busy, you yes. know? And it, it's interesting because you kind of think about it sometimes and, you know i think uh sometimes you'll hear a song that's like oh that kind of reminds me of something but i assume that's not really how it works you know is it just one of those things hey we need something that kind of feels like this but obviously we don't want you to go out and you know uh take houses of the holy but like make the notes a little different so that you know we're not ripping them off it, it's not really like that right is it like we need something that feels like that it, 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 am yeah. i even close or maybe i'm way off that's just what i feel like no anyway. you, i mean you're you're
3: close it, it's uh there's there's composing and there's like music library so if you're getting hired as a composer or they're saying yeah. hey we need this type of music for this type of you know scene or whatever they they need it for <clears throat> then you're hired to write what they want but music library is we're already writing it all and recording all original music and there'll be genres you know from rock to hip-hop to jazz to you know whatever um, they're looking for so the library is basically that so you can go in and each release is a certain genre of music so there might be songs that are like what you're saying hey we need something that sounds like you know aerosmith or yeah sure poison or whatever so yeah you, you know we might have songs that are in that vein but you know we're not trying to copy anybody's music yeah you know. That would that wouldn't be good.
1: <laughs> Although I do remember <laughs> when I, I do remember when when I was a kid, you'd hear like knockoff versions because I guess it would be cheaper. Like you know, on like yeah. Night Rider, they would have Walk Like an Egyptian, but it sure wasn't the Bengals singing it, you know. And, right. and and it was always like, oh, this is really bad. I was a kid, and I'm like, this is bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm
3: like, well, there's there a fine right. line there because if they're if they're licensing the song and they yeah. they could re record it, right. maybe they want somebody different playing it or they wanted it to be more jazzy rather than rock you know they they would pay that license to be able to use that song but if you're writing a song that sounds pretty much like them and you're not you know you're doing it on your own saying it's your song then i i've known guys that have been sued and it's not a fun thing to go through So, you know, I I try to stay away from that as much as
1: possible. Oh, yeah. No, no. You definitely want to stay away from that. And then also that's one of those things that, uh, you know, so many artists who, you know, don't own like the early parts of their catalog. They do those those re-record albums. You know, I know uh, sister did one Alice Cooper did one. And and I, you know, when those first started happening, I'm like, well, well, why would I want this? And then you figure it out, you know, years later that for business reasons, it's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, you can go and talk to. You know, Warner Brothers records and uh, get the song you're talking for for this much money. Right. Or you can deal with me, the artist, right. and you'll get it for a lot less. Right. So it, it's interesting to think about, uh, you know, just how much goes into that. And, you know, I, I think that a lot of music and movies and TV, uh, you know, maybe it just kind of sits there in the background and you don't think about it. Uh, you'll notice great music placement, great original music. But what you'll really notice is bad music that's just like, oh, well, this does not fit, you know? Right, so there's, it's all like, con- there's
3: very cheesy yeah. library music, I and mean, then there's just bad music all in, in, in general. But, yeah, you know, I you, you want it to sound as good as possible. And my goal in the beginning was to make it sound like, you know, it's real live, professional, high-quality recordings. And so that, you know, I, I concentrate on that a lot. And I've hired a lot of other people to to write for my library and sign a lot of other people's music in my library so it's it's a yeah it's it's a fine line in there sometimes so but you funny story you're saying that because it's something that sounds bad i remember this one time i had like 10 songs on this release and and there was a really bad recorded one it just horrible song (laughs) but it sounded kind of like a pink floyd vibe Okay, so I put it last on the release, and it was like that was the first song used <laughs> on that release. So, so you never know, you know. Sometimes yeah. they might want something that sounds kind of weird or not too good, and yeah, they want it's, really a, good.
1: it's a good point because yeah, say just hypothetically, say it's a it's a movie where yeah, I don't know, some high school kids are starting a band, but you know, and they we want them to be good, but right. not great. You right. know, so right. sometimes you're like, this is perfect. This is exactly what we want. Right. Well, it's very interesting to have that uh, that side of the business. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it is such an important part of uh, everything that we do, you know, just as a, there's music as, in everything. A, yeah. As an aside, uh, my wife's a television writer and uh, she really. was fortunate enough to write for the show for Netflix, Orange is the New Black. And right. when she wrote one of her episodes, she had in there uh, a Bruce Springsteen song, and I'm like, okay, good luck. That's literally never going to happen, right. and it's true at that point. But this is before he sold his catalog. It didn't happen very often, but for whatever reason, it got to his desk at the right time, and she actually got the song in there. I'm like, all right, I guess I don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, but that was a show that had some money for a Bruce Springsteen song, you know. That's right, uh, right. that's it's a little it's a little different, you know. The The Sopranos can put Journey in the final episode. Not uh, not every show can do that.
3: Yeah, you also got to. A- think that what show it is because if it's a show that's going to create a lot of royalties you know you might give them a cheaper license because you know you're going to make money on the backside i know that was a popular show so maybe yeah
1: right yeah exactly and uh yeah and i know that uh after during his uh, contentious, long, drawn out exit from NBC, uh, Conan O'Brien would have his house band play Led Zeppelin music on every episode because it's very expensive and they don't <laughs> like to license it. So uh, you know, just little tricks like that. I don't know. I, I'm always interested in that that side of things. It, it is a part of the business that yeah, not everybody thinks about. But, but no. like I said, if the song if the song is not a good song choice, that's that's when you notice it. Um, but I, I do want to uh, circle back on Dogbone though. Sorry, I just uh, am fascinated by that stuff. Oh, but, yeah, me too. Uh, Speed Kills, a uh, great song. I listened to it a bunch this morning as oh, I was putting you. together my notes for you. And In no way does it sound like it, but because it has it at the very end, it's very reminiscent of a a song I grew up loving, uh, Detroit Rock City by Kiss, because there's the car crash at the end. So talk a little bit about sort of and, you know, for our visual audience, uh, I played the uh, the lyric video so you could kind of see the car driving. It's it's very hard, Brian, to deal with, uh, you know, some even though I'm talking to you about your song. If I had played it during the video, I could have gotten like a copyright thing against it. So it's like it's it's never worth it, in all honesty, to play a song because it's like, oh, well, how did that happen? You know, so like you could even say like, no, it's fine. You can play my song. And somehow someone somewhere will be like, well, this is a copyrighted song. So now you have a strike on your channel anyway. So people got to see but not hear the uh sort of the 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 cargo down the road so kind of talk about this idea that uh speed i guess quite literally kills you know
3: well it's funny you mentioned kiss because like that's my favorite kiss song detroit rock city i I mean that that's They, they always open with that song yeah which is always as long as i'm there for the first song then
1: yeah, that's true. You, you can't, you can't be in the beer line. You can't uh, go to the merch table. You do have to be there. Yeah, you know, when Cause they always play uh, rock and roll by Led Zeppelin before they take the stage. And so for years they always have "Destroy rock city. And I, um, I still want to talk to you about your song, but uh, you know, it, this kind of came up recently because uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who was at the final two kiss shows. And uh, one of my favorite recordings of kiss, it's not an album. But it it was the MTV special uh, animalized Live on Censor from 1984. And it's like kind of the first time that people really see, I think, Eric Carr on a big scale. And he plays those songs so fast that that version of Detroit Rock City, I think it's like a minute and a half because it's like <laughs> it just goes so fast. And it's like, that's what I love about Eric Carr. And it's always a great way to start a show. But uh, just it's like. We're talking about speed. I mean the speed with which Eric Carr is a, uh my my old boss used to say about drummers sometimes is he's hitting those drums like he owes them money, you know, or like they owe him money. I said I even fucked up the joke. He's hitting the drums like they owe him money, you know. But uh so anyway, uh Detroit Rock City has that kind of energy. And again, not that your song was at all reminiscent of it, but I kind of get that feel because of the topic and then the car crash at the end.
3: Yeah, I, I mean i can't say i took it from that song but
1: no it it just made
3: sense to me how to end the song it was like how am i gonna end the song and just visualize that last little outro there to it's a big car crash because speed kills but when i came up with the line speed kills i was thinking it it could be more than one thing you know you could be talking about drugs but yeah i I chose the car kind of made sense but uh yeah that's it just it just i just felt it and put it in there and it worked
1: yeah no no it's a it's it's a nice touch because i mean yeah so the the song uh still great without it but it just sort of like it's a nice little exclamation point well it's funny because i I never really thought
3: of that and but you're not the first person has commented on that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm like oh how'd you like the song oh the the car crash at the end so cool i'm like
1: Well, what about the song? (laughs) Yeah, no, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The song's great, but uh, you know, no, that's
3: funny. I'm I'm glad I put it in there. I mean, yeah, it it definitely you're waiting. You'll listen to the whole song. Hopefully, (laughs) yeah, that's right. (laughs) It it
1: it it, it, it will tell you if uh, whether or not somebody listened to it. You're like, "Mm, right, talking about the car crash. Did they even listen to the song? (laughs) You know, it's uh, one of those. Uh, So all right, so we've got this song. We we've got Speed Kills on Live the Rock Volume One uh what is uh you mentioned that there's already another song uh so talk about what's uh coming up in 2024 for dog bone
3: well i'm i'm now putting the final touches on the next single and it should be out as i say in the end of january beginning of february next year along with the video lots of putting together kind of a hybrid it's lyric video with you know us in the studio and recording and stuff so it's it's a great song. I hope everybody likes the next one too. And and I got another one in the can probably a couple months after that will be out. So uh, looking to just release two more singles and hopefully put together an EP. That's what I'm looking at. And would love to get out and do some shows. You know, we're not even to that point yet. Right. uh, Trying to just, you know, get out there and get us heard and we'll see what happens for 2024. But, uh, and to go back to the beginning, I mean, Keel isn't officially broke up or, you know, we're, we're still together. Uh, I,
1: well, I, I just, I can't imagine how Ron would have the time because every right. time I'm talking, I, I'll talk to him. I'll talk to people <laughs> that he's working with and, you know, somebody that's, uh, you know, they've, they've all this RFK media it, yes. it, at, at a certain point. It's like, wait, when is their time? So that's good to know. I, I, I misunderstood that, uh, but yeah. that's. That's great to know that uh that Keel is still out there. And, yeah, uh, I don't know how
3: Ron does it. He's so busy. He's got yeah, he so many things going on, you know, and, and with all of us too. We all have other things going on. So it's it's it is tough, but we haven't officially like broke up. So right. you know, hopefully we do something the next year or two, because it, yeah. it is our fortieth anniversary next year. Oh. Just and then uh the- 2025 will be the fortieth year of the ride to rock.
1: So yeah, you see, know. that's that's when you gotta that's 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 when uh you know subtle hints have to be uh left for promoters and festivals and things and like anytime you got an anniversary, you know, yeah. it's uh it's always good. So uh you can uh so Dogbone can be found on YouTube, Dogbone the Band. There's uh not just Speed Kills, there's uh, a few other songs on there. Uh Demise Yeah, those are Angel. some old
3: old songs yeah. from the, the original singer and uh, also an instrumental on there that i did uh, it's just me and Dwayne, and
1: and I and and, and, and a little there. bit of we three kings uh, also I yes
3: that there. that was something i did for my music library with bob reynolds the singer doggo. Oh, cool. and so that's why i put it on there because it's both of us but
1: yeah hey, that, that's, that's
3: yeah it's definitely a part of the library
1: it's half the band, right there, you know. Right, so exactly. You to put it out there, <laughs> and uh, I guess it's the it's the same thing on Facebook. Dogbone the band. Uh, where else? Uh, make sure that I, I I check off all the boxes, Brian. Where else? Yeah. Uh, Dogbone uh, the band me?
3: on Facebook, Instagram, same thing. And you know, you can find me Brian J on Facebook, Brian J Guitar on Facebook and Instagram. So, and we also yeah. have a website, dogbonetheband.com so you can go there. Uh, but you know. Go to our youtube page you know subscribe to our page and i'm gonna be putting up a lot more videos very soon here and you can follow what we're doing from there and you know the, the website all, all social media whatever they're all right. connected pretty much so
1: yeah exactly and and honestly it, it at, at this point you have a band name that's easy to remember dog bone it's yes. like they can forget whether it's Dogbone, the band, or the Dogbone. They're going to probably just go to Google, type in Dogbone. You know, I mean, yeah, it's, it, fu-
3: it's funny that when we came up with that name, we were actually looking at a box of Dogbones. <laughs> 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 it, it was because we couldn't think of a name. It was Eddie Size, the original singer, and I, you know, we were trying to think of a name. And so there was no band's name Dogbone back then. Yeah. But now that, you know, 30 years later, it was like, okay, there's some other bands named Dogbone, but they're were like weren't recording or anything. And there's a band called The Dogbones. Oh, yeah, the dog
1: bones You're like, that's not the same thing It's interesting when you'll get You'll get, uh, you know like There's bands that have to be like, you know British this or something UK And like there was a British Skid Row That uh, never made it in the US So it didn't matter for Skid Row Except for, I guess, putting the records on the shelves In the UK All all that stuff that you don't think about Because you're like, I have the greatest band name And then you're like, somebody else has it (laughs) You know
3: Yeah, Uh, you know it's i use dog bone the band just so you don't get it confused with dog bones with,
1: with other dog <laughs> yeah, right so you're not getting actual uh, dog bones the, yeah. the milk bones or whatever By well, tesla
3: like tesla you know they have to say oh, tesla the band well
1: but, yeah and and you know. and uh not not from lack of uh you know reaching out to Elon Musk over the years they would have uh, been happy for any kind of collaboration and uh right. you know i mean i i'm not i'm not really putting words into their mouths I, i've i've read where they've said that i've asked them about it and they're like hey man if you know if he wants to give anybody a free car or anything like that <laughs> uh but yeah and and of course like that you know that band's been around well not 40 years but almost 40 years so it's like long before there was a car but then you have to like right. oh well we were here first but now we have to differentiate ourselves from the other thing you know so
3: and then there's that nicolo guy
1: well, yeah, you know he he his problem was he didn't have good PR. I've talked to the guys in Tesla. they have good PR, but uh, the actual inventor uh, didn't have good PR. And uh, I guess uh, if if you listen to Tesla's music, you you understand that uh, Thomas Edison basically robbed him blind. So, <laughs> but that's not your problem. Uh, your your problem is making sure people know about dogbone. And again, Speed Kills is out there and uh, I enjoyed chatting with you, Brian, and I look forward to uh, hearing uh, some of the new music uh, when it uh, comes out in the new year.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me on here and
1: have a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I I will do that. You do the same. And uh, again, for our audio audience, uh, check out a little bit of uh, Speed Kills. And thanks again, Brian (laughs) J.
0: the Bladcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Bladcast. That's B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. You can also subscribe to the audio version wherever podcasts are found. I'm Farad Muhammad, and if you want me to voice your podcast intro, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at F-A-R-D. M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D. We will see you next time on the Blattcast. Welcome to the party, pal. Naughty. No one that I'm talking to, no friends of mine, no one in this universe, Bedabbler, OJ, none of these people are calling your mother. Christian Blatt, I suspect, might be calling your mother, but I don't oh. know. Not 100% from who are these socials. <laughs> I, I, I I suspect, allegedly, allegedly. I mean, he did tweet something on Mother's Day. He tweeted something about moms. So I'm assuming that's what he meant, mm-hmm. you know, obviously. So, you know, I would start looking into Christian Blatt. Blat it. I don't know. Nobody knows how to say it. Nobody knows. But anyway. The Bladcast. And who are these socials? Sorry, the Bladcast. Who are these broadcasts? Timothy. It's Tim. Who are these broadcasts? Thank you.
4: What an amazing day. couldn't possibly be topped until tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern, when Eric Zane and... Christian Blatt are live on this same channel of who are these broadcasts?
0: Broadcasts,
4: not who are these socials? As Cardiff said, or who broadcasts? No, I said broadcasts. Broadcast. Well, you also broadcasts. Said socials, but yes, who are these broadcasters? Is on this channel every Tuesday, two p.m. Eastern, with Christian and Eric. They do a, a fa- fantastic job bringing you all the news on broadcasting from the week and, and a lot of silly things that happen on local news. It's
0: on me.
1: It's the eye of the
4: tiger. It's the thrill of the night. Rising up to the challenge of arrival. And they last no survival the Chaucer. All right, The great Christian Black. Yes, go to the Blackcast cast and subscribe there. Because uh, I'm sure all of you are already subscribed to who are these podcasts.
3: Mr. Blackcast is in the chat. Oh, my God, it's Christian. It's Christian.
4: The Blackcast, $2. Would Nicholas Gurr seated in the groom side? No. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. The Blackcast. Thank you, Christian, for another $2. Should we assume the groom chose the videographer? Perhaps.
3: We have so many heathens now. I'm reading out all of them. I'm sorry, all 'all. y'all. We got one gifted to Lesser Logic, one to the Blackcast, you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch got lucky this time, Christian. How do we kick a heathen out? No, I'm just kidding. He's one of the most OG heathens that have ever heathened. This is my friend Christian. He this this little fucker does no way. Oh,
1: blackcast.
3: Yeah, Christian. I've already forgotten about you, Christian. Who? <laughs> this is why you're stupid, Christian. That's why you're dumb. Christian's also a huge Doctor yeah. Who fan. How dare we find masculine men hot? That's crazy. Sorry, <laughs> sorry Christian.
4: Can you please call Christian Blad after this and explain yeah. to him quality control? Yeah,
1: right. Thank you. We're fighting for our right to live the way we need to to exist in a festive world for fifty-five to fifty-seven full days.
4: <laughs> and the Bladcast showing up, my buddy Christian. Hello.
1: I'm Conrad Dane.
4: What's the matter, Senor Luigi? You look a little nervous. I'm very nervous. No invite.
1: <laughs> Who are you, Christian Bland? Christian, no, you're, you're, you're a talker. Talk you're like the I worst broadcast ever. Well, this has been the black cast. You can find me at Christian
0: DMZ. Jeff DuRay, not on Twitter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm
4: getting ready to break into a Slim Jim. Yeah. <laughs> This is not a good game. <laughs> but you haven't heard Christian Blatt do it. <laughs> oh, that's out. true. I forgot Christian Blatt did that with us. <laughs> the, the Blatt Black cast. So Thank you, Christian. You How
0: is it that Wendy game, is so much so 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 better Chad at this than Stud st- Joe, Chad, and before. Kevin Brennan? Oh, Whoa! hackers! As Pissed off as Vinny is at you. Yeah, you yeah, should yeah. be at Christian Blad and Eric Zane. <laughs>
4: this one came in from uh, my buddy Christian Blatt. the Bladcast. Thank you for the one ninety nine, Christian. Uh, Cardiff, grab your guitar to play whole lot of Rosie. Mousies. The Bladcast one ninety nine. Who's had more hands up their bum,
0: Chad or Tuki? <laughs> Chad. Thank you, Bladcast.
2: Bladcast. The Bladcast is hundred percent right.
0: Uh the Bladfest. The Bladcast. The Bladcast.
2: One of the best podcasts you can ever see, The blackcast. Whoop-de-doo, we're watching it. We got no Wi-Fi. We can't hear a thing, but we love it.
0: Go watch The Bladcast.
3: Good luck with the whole thing. And, you know, here's to another 500. Gets you to 1,000, you know, which is more than 500. Last time I said.
0: Totally forgot. I am doing The podcast tomorrow. Uh, The Bladcast, 499.
1: Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. We're closed.
0: <laughs> that was not
1: my fault.
4: Toki loves you all more than a friend.
0: I love Tookie.
4: <laughs> Yay! <laughs> hacka,
0: hacka! I'm so excited!
3: Try anything you
4: can cancel, bro.
0: Let's <laughs> Oh, yeah! I was uh, sent down from Washington, D.C.
3: to see about these murders. See what about them? See who's doing it. Mickey is no tin dog. Oh, yeah! Naughty. Oh, what is that? That, my
4: silly friend, is the sound of bells. <whistles> what are
2: bells? AMC Theatres. We make movies better.
4: She's right. a piece of light.